May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Happy Mother's Day. I am so glad, moms, that all of you are here. My name's Adam Jungblut. I'm the membership and ministry pastor here at Parkway Fellowship. Like, Robin and I had been dating for a while. Uh, we were leaving my parents' house. One day, we get in the car and we're driving off, and Robin turns to me and asks me a question. She said, Adam, why does your mom not have anything hanging on the walls in her house? So what are you talking about? She said, well, like, your mom doesn't have any pictures. There aren't any paintings, no plates, nothing framed. She's like, how do you not notice that? I have two younger brothers, come from an all-guy house. As far as, like, my mom's decorating style, you have a couch, check, TV, check. Good job, mom. Like, I was like, why would I notice that? Robin, coming from a girl family with one sister, is like, how could you not notice that? I was like, I I literally have no idea. So the next time we're over there, I look, and literally, there wasn't anything hanging on the walls. Hey, Mom, how come there's nothing hanging on the walls in our house? She goes, well, there used to be. I used to have really nice pictures and really nice paintings and really nice frames. And then you and your brothers upstairs would start wrestling. And the walls would shake downstairs. And then they would fall off the walls and they would break. So I just gave up. (laughs) I had no idea. I, I had no idea that my mom had sacrificed her desires of decorating the home. Because as soon as my younger brother went off to college... I mean, she totally came in and redecorated, and now there's everything hanging all over all kind of walls in our house. She sacrificed her desires for our WWF wrestling, <laughs> of which I always won, just in case you were wondering. But look, I just didn't notice. There are a lot of things that my mom did that I just never noticed. You see, I have the amazing privilege now of watching my wife, Robin, mother our four kids, and I watch what she does when the kids aren't looking and what she does while they're asleep. And as I watch her and am amazed, I know in the back of my mind, my mom, she did those same exact things. See, there's a lot of things that moms do that never go noticed and are never seen. Look, before I go any further in this message, I want to just stop. And time out. While for a lot of us in this room, today is a great day for us to connect with and celebrate our moms. For some people in this room, today is the day that brings some hurt. Look, to you ladies out there who desire to be pregnant and to be mothers, but it just hasn't happened yet, please know that we're praying for you. For those of you who are in this room who have lost a mom, please know that we are grieving with you. For those of you in this room who have lost a child or have walked through an abortion, please know that we're mourning with you. I'm glad you're here today, even though it may be difficult. My prayer for you is that you would experience God's presence and it would bring you peace, comfort, and encouragement today. Thank you for coming to Parkway Fellowship today on Mother's Day, even though it might be hard. But look, when we think about moms, and we think about what makes them tick and their desires and why they do what they do, well, it's because they love their kids. That's it. When you boil it down to it, that's pretty much the simplest deal. They want more for their kids than what they have now or more than they ever had 
when they were growing up. That's their desire. But look, that's not just the desire of moms. That's the desire for all parents, for all grandparents. I mean, let's just be honest. That's the desire for everybody that plans on having kids. Well, today I want us to look at two women in the Bible. That's what they wanted. That's what they wanted for their son. They wanted for him to have more than they had and more than they ever had. And they accomplished it on a grand scale. Now, they're not main characters. I mean, honestly, calling them secondary characters would probably be a stretch. Today, I want us to look at Lois and Eunice. Who? It's Timothy's mother and grandmother. As in Timothy, the books, first and second Timothy. Paul's right-hand man. Look, Paul, the greatest Christ follower of all time, in my opinion, and the greatest church planner, handed the keys to his ministry over to this guy, Timothy. And today, I want us to look at his mother, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois. We find them in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Everybody pull out your worship guide and your little sermon notes. It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Circle sincere faith for me. Which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am now persuaded, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. That's it. It's the only time in the Bible they're ever mentioned. It's the only time their names are ever talked about in the Bible. I mean, there's not a lot that is known about Lois and Eunice outside the fact that they raised Timothy, a true world changer. When we look at several books in the New Testament, we're able to piece together a story about Lois and Eunice. I hope you find it as encouraging and as motivating as I have. Let me just tell you the story. So Jesus died in 33 AD. It was about five years after that that Saul had his famous conversion on the road to Damascus and became Paul. In 44 AD, Paul went on his very first missionary journey to go tell people about Christ and to plant churches in the towns that he stopped in. Toward the end of that trip, in probably about 46 or 47 AD, Paul and his crew roll into Lystra, the hometown of Lois, Eunice, and a young boy named Timothy. It's widely believed that on that trip, that the three of them devoted their lives to Christ, devoted their lives to Paul's teaching, and became Christ followers. Paul's stay in Lystra had to be cut short, and he was gone off to the next town. Picture the scene. Here's three baby Christians with no resources, a church that is literally days old, They didn't have any classes to go to. No mature believers around to help guide them through difficult times. I mean, they probably had a small group, but everybody in their group was in the exact same predicament that they were in. So now what? 
Look, the next time we see them show up on the scene is in Acts 16. Five years later, in 51 AD, Paul, on his second missionary journey to plant churches, stops off in Lystra in the early stages of his trip. Look at what we find in Acts 16, in 1 through 3. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, and whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along the journey. Look, in five years, Lois and Eunice went from baby Christians to raising such a leader in the faith in Timothy that not only was Timothy known in his hometown, but he was also known in the neighboring town over. Now that is some good mothering. That is a job well done by Lois and Eunice in five years. How'd they do it? How did they do that? In five years from baby Christians to developing themselves and their relationship with Christ, to passing it on to Timothy so much so that he was known in his town and in the town over for his faith. Remember what I had you circle in 2 Timothy 1.5? All we know definitively is they had a sincere faith. That's it. So how do I develop a sincere faith And pass it on, like the great mothers, Lois and Eunice did. That's the question that we're left with. That's the question that I want us to look at today. Now, before we go into it, I want you to know the word sincere, it's a Greek pottery term. It's a term that was used to talk about the quality of a piece of pottery. See, if a piece of pottery was made with 100% the finest clay, it was known as sincere. Now, there was other pottery that was made with cheaper clay that had mixtures of other kinds of dirt and mud and wax and different things in it to make it appear that it was fine. Those pieces of pottery were not sincere. And they would advertise as this is a sincere pottery shop, and this isn't for those who couldn't afford it. So the word sincere here in this connotation really doesn't have the emotions and motives that we would think that the word sincere has, it has more to do with being genuine, pure, or authentic. That's the kind of faith that Lois and Eunice had that they passed on. So, how do they do it? We know from looking at this, three, three things had to be done. Here's the first one. Make hard choices. For all of us in here to develop this kind of a sincere, life-changing faith that Lois and Eunice, as great mothers, had, we have to make hard choices. Now, look, before we go into this a little bit further, while I'm going to be talking about mothers, every single one of these steps, they apply to all of us in here, no matter the stage of life, no matter where we are. We've got to make hard choices. Now, moms, I'm glad you're here today. I'm sure some of you are thinking, it's Mother's Day, of course I'm going to be here. Well, that's kind of the point. You see, today, pretty much whatever you say goes. It's kind of the rules of Mother's Day. It's just kind of how it works. 
you could have taken the easy route today. You know what easy is? Sleeping in, breakfast in bed, being brought to you by the family, maybe staying in bed, catch a Lifetime movie, get a good cry in. (laughs) After that, roll out of bed. Guys, you shouldn't be laughing at that joke, by the way. Just telling you right now. Roll out of bed, go get your mani-pedi, roll home, and get ready for the family to take you out to dinner. That's easy. But that's not the decision that you made, moms. The decision that you made was on a day where you dictate everything, you wanted to be here. And look, getting an entire family up, fed, dressed, and at church on time is not as easy as it sounds. I know. It takes hard choices. Look, Lois and Eunice, they had to make some very hard choices in their early stages of following Christ. Look, I reprinted Acts 16 in there for you. In verse 1, it says, we're talking about Timothy, whose mother was Jewish, underlined mother was Jewish for me, and a believer, but whose father was Greek, underlined father was Greek. So Eunice was Jewish and Timothy's father was Greek. Look, a practicing Jew would never marry a non-Jew. It's a major no-no. It just didn't happen. Here's what we know about Eunice. She wasn't practicing. She wasn't practicing anything in her faith. She was Jewish just because that's how she was born. She wasn't continually going to the synagogue. She wasn't devoting herself to the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. She wasn't following those. She wasn't practicing those. We know from this she probably wasn't making the sacrifices that she should because a practicing Jew would never be in this position. But now, she became a Christ follower. And Timothy was watching. Timothy was watching. Timothy was wondering in the back of his mind, as all kids do, is this going to change our life at all? Or is this going to be something that we just say that we are, and it never changes our priorities, it never changes our schedule, we just go about living life however we want? Look, for Timothy to become what he did, we know that there was a major shift and priorities for their family. They made hard choices. Eunice knew that in a lot of these choices, she was going to be by herself because her husband was a Greek. A commitment to church, a commitment to fellowship with other Christ followers, a commitment to devoting themselves to Paul's teaching, to obeying everything that he had taught them didn't just become part of their life. It became their entire life. That became everything. And along the way, those were hard, difficult choices that had to be made. And we know they were made because of who Timothy became. Look, for us to develop a faith a sincere, life-changing faith like that, it doesn't take just making hard choices. It takes a second thing. And here's the second thing that we learn about Lois and Eunice, is that we have to maximize my minutes. 
We have to maximize my minutes. This is the phrase that I picked up from Robin's mom. She uses this phrase all the time. It's maximizing the little minutes throughout your day to be extremely productive. Look, if there's one thing that all moms can agree with, there's not enough time in the day to get done everything that needs to get done. It just isn't. There's always more laundry. There's always more school, more studying. There's always more, more, and more. But I will say, I am continually amazed with how much moms can get done in a day. I got to be honest, there are lots of days that I come home from work, and I think of everything that I accomplished, and then I show up and see everything that Robin accomplished, and I'm kind of embarrassed. That's off. Look, we have got to maximize our minutes. Now, now think about this. When Paul rode through, then his first journey in 46 or 47 AD, Timothy, he was probably about 12 to 13 years old. I mean, he's in prime junior high, about to be in high school age. They didn't know, Lois and Eunice didn't know when Paul was coming back. They didn't know what the timetable was. But I guarantee you what they felt was that they were way behind. Because in their culture, 12 to 13 years old, you were considered a man. In our culture, it's 18. For theirs, it was 12 and 13. They felt the pressure of being way behind. They had to maximize every minute that they had toward discipling Timothy. Now look, we already know that they were extremely busy because Eunice was a mother, very busy. And so adding all of this to her plate, it probably wasn't going to get done with all the hard choices that she made. So look, Eunice had to come up with a way. How do I maximize the minutes that I have to make up time? To make up time in discipling Timothy. Now look, some of y'all might be in the same position as they were. Maybe you're early in your stages of following Christ. Maybe for you, this is new to you. Or maybe for you, you've been a Christ follower for a long time, but are just really starting to dive in and take some of this seriously and read the Bible and commit to following him in a relationship. Look, there is a huge fallacy out there that says that you have to know something or rise to a certain level spiritually before you can begin to disciple your kids. It's a straight lie. Look, if Lois and Eunice, as mothers, had taken that same mentality, then when Paul came back five years later, Paul would have been introduced to Timothy, and he'd have left, because Timothy would have been way too immature, spiritually speaking, to go along with Paul, if they had waited. They didn't know they had five years. So they grew in their relationship with Christ at the exact same time Timothy did. They said, come on, let's go. Look, there are three times throughout the week that all of us as parents and grandparents probably have with our kids. We have to fully leverage these three times for our own spiritual growth and for the spiritual growth of our kids. The first thing that we have to fully leverage, we have to fully leverage drive time. 
We spend time in the car with kids. That's just how it goes. We drive them around from activity, activity to activity, from school, family events, trips, everything. We're in the car with them. Utilize that time. You already have it built into your schedule. Look, here's the easiest thing to do. Listen to Christian music. You know the kind of music that your kids like. You know the kind of stuff. If you don't, just grab their iPod. Scroll through it. Do maybe five minutes of work and go on iTunes and find the popular Christian music. Download them and just play them in the car so that your family can listen to it together. I mean, your kids are trapped. It's not like they can go anywhere. Like, here's the second time that you have to fully leverage. You've got to fully leverage mealtime. Like, I know it probably doesn't happen every night because schedules are so busy, but at some point, you're sitting down, maybe not as an entire family, but you're sitting down at the table at the same time as your kids. Instead of just asking generic questions of, hey, how was your day? Maybe ask something like, hey, tell me something God did in your life that was great this week. Or maybe ask a question like, hey, you know, the lesson you learned about integrity this past Sunday at church, how have you applied that this week? Or maybe you can use it to just share something that you learned while you were reading the Bible that day. Or maybe something that God showed you. Or maybe something that you learned while applying the next step from a sermon the previous week. You're already sitting there, and you're going to talk. So be very strategic in the questions that you ask. Here's another time for you to fully leverage. Bedtime. I'll always say it. The most powerful prayers you will ever pray are those kneeling next to your kids while they lay in their bed. Look, pray out loud with your kids. Pray out loud. Now, I know some of you are thinking, I, I've never prayed out loud. I don't, I don't know how to do this. Yeah, your kids haven't either. They have no idea what a good prayer is supposed to sound like. They're going to think that your prayers are awesome. Way to go. Look, pray. Then they'll learn how. Look, here's the third thing. Here's the third thing that you've got to do. After you maximize your minutes, you've got to show gratitude along the way. Show gratitude along the way. Look at what it says in 2 Timothy 1.5. I reprinted it. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Circle the word first. Look, when Paul wrote those words to Timothy and Timothy read them, that's not like it was a news flash to him. Like, like this book of 2 Timothy was written in 67 A.D., 20 years after Timothy left, after Timothy left home, it's about 20 years later. Five years of hardcore discipleship, and then he was gone. Look, I guarantee you that Timothy, along the way, realized what an amazing job his mother and his grandmother had done. I guarantee you every chance he had, he talked about him. He taught the new parents who were just following in their relationship with Christ. Hey, this is what my mother and my grandmother did. Look how it turned out. You should do these exact same things. Any chance he had to see them, I guarantee you that's, that was his message. Thank you. Because what you did allowed me 
to do what I'm doing. Today, whenever you talk to her mom, your mom, you need to thank her. But don't just thank her by saying thank you. I want you to use the word because. It adds some substance to it. Mom, thank you for the sacrifices you make because it allowed me to get a great education and allowed me to get this great job to provide for my kids so that I can have more than you had or ever have. Thank you. Hey, Mom, thank you for making the commitment of going to church because I have a relationship with Christ now and I'm able to pass that on to my kids. Look, use the word because. Here's what I want you to take away from today. You can do it. You can develop this sincere, life-changing kind of a faith that will change not only you, but your children and your grandchildren. And that will trickle down and change generations. And I promise you will one day change the world. You can make the hard choices necessary. Just continue in what you're doing. Stay the course. Because I promise you, if Lois and Eunice can do it, you can too. I don't want everybody to pull out your connection card. Flip it over on the back, and I want you to take a step or next steps based on the message today. Maybe for you, it's this first one. To make the hard choices necessary for others in my life to see my commitment to Christ. Look, would you make those hard choices knowing that your family is watching, knowing that others are watching the commitments that you make so that they can see Christ? Maybe for you, it's this next one. To maximize my minutes by fully leveraging blank this week for spiritual growth. I want you to pick. I want you to pick drive time, meal time, or bedtime. Just write it in there. And this week, devote your time to maximizing your minutes by using one of those key times throughout the week. Look, maybe for you it's this one. Show my gratitude to my mother today by using the word because. Whether you see her, whether you call her, email, whatever is the easiest for you. Would you use the word because when you talk to your mom today? Maybe for you it's this next one. Write a thank you letter to someone who has played a key role in my life. Look, maybe for you, uh, maybe if it was somebody else in your life that spent their time raising you. Maybe it was a grandmother or an aunt or an uncle. You know, but maybe it was somebody else. Maybe it was somebody you know, from high school or college. Would you write them a thank you letter to show gratitude along the way? Or this last one, become a Christ follower for the very first time today. Look, just like Lois, Eunice, and Timothy did when Paul rode through the very first time, he told them that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for all of the mistakes you have ever made and will ever make. And Lois, Eunice, and Timothy committed their lives to Christ. Would you do that today? If you've never done that before, if you've never prayed a simple prayer of asking Christ to come into your life, to change you, to forgive you of your sins, and then pledge your life to follow him, there's a sample prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes. Look, if that's you, I want you to check this box and pray that prayer right now in a second when Pat and the worship team come up. Just pray the prayer. Become a Christ follower. Don't wait. If that's you, be sure your name and email address are on the front of the card. There's some stuff that I want to send you this week. Also, on your way out, there are new believer packets by every single door. I want you to grab one on your way out. Let me close this in a word of prayer as Pat and the worship team come back up. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. 
Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you would do a great work in all of the mothers in this room. God, I pray that today they would feel so loved and they would feel so encouraged that it would give them the strength and energy to continue the course that they're on. God, to continue the course of making those hard choices to follow you. God, of making the time to maximize their minutes. God, that would all, we all show gratitude along the way. God, I pray that you would develop in us a sincere, life-changing faith. God, that would change our lives. God, that it would change our children's lives. God, and that we would one day change the world. So, Lord, we come before you, and we thank you so much for our moms and all that they've done to bring us here. We love you and ask all in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.